Welcome back to podcast Found in Estonia. My name is Tina and I'm here talking with foreigners who have made Estonia their home. And today I'm joined by Ellie. Ellie is from Scotland and I'm sure she has many nice stories to share about her life here. She has been living in Estonia for almost five years already. And let's get into her story. So hi, Ellie. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) So tell me a bit about your story. How did you found out about Estonia in general and how did you decide to move here? Okay, so it's quite a long story. We <laughs> so have let time. me take you <laughs> great because um this will take up a lot of time. So let me take you back maybe to the beginning. Uh, it all started really through work. Um so I'm from Edinburgh in Scotland, but I moved to Glasgow. So Edinburgh is the capital and Glasgow's really the second city or it's really bigger city than Edinburgh Um, but I moved there to go to university and after that I started working for a big hotel company and taking reservations and as part of that job um, I became a trainer so I was delivering training to new people starting and one of my first assignments was to go over to a place that I didn't know very much about called Tallinn <laughs> in Estonia to deliver a training to a group of people here in Tallinn um, back in those days. And this was 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, back in those days, we had our office in Glasgow and our office in Tallinn. And they kind of worked together as one virtual office looking after um European languages, um, obviously here in Estonia, it was easier to employ Finnish and Swedish and these Nordic languages. And then in in Glasgow, we had languages too. So that was my very first experience of coming over. But then if we fast forward a few years, um, our business in Glasgow moved over to Sofia in Bulgaria. Um, And I made that decision to kind of move with it and um you know follow my job over to bulgaria and in bulgaria there was an estonian who had been part of that original talent office who had traveled all around the world with the company and ended up in sofia bulgaria as well looking after the the operations so mm-hmm. um you know again fast forward a little bit and we got married mm-hmm. so <laughs> Um, you know, that was, I think, you know, my first visit to Estonia was so brief and it was a very different talent in 2005 um, to the one that I live in now. Um, but with, with Estonians, I feel that there's so much national identity and pride. And I learned a lot about Estonian customs and people and so on through the stories that I heard about Estonia. Um And then we started obviously visiting uh, from Sofia to come back and visit Scotland, visit Estonia, see family. Um, So it was a kind of a gentle introduction to the Estonia that we know today, Uh, you know, 10, 12 years on from my first visit. uh, The beer was a lot more expensive than on my first visit, (laughs) let me tell you that. Um, That was a shocker coming back Um, and so much regeneration. It It was very surprising to see these heavily regenerated Rottermanni, Kartel mm-hmm. and you know Kalamaya, mm-hmm. let's face it, you know, all these places that hadn't existed before when I'd been over. Um so the work continues to move us around. We moved to America and at that point um we both had very international jobs. So we were working with offices outside of the US and it felt okay, well there wasn't really a, a, a need to be in the US. So started thinking like, okay, where can we settle down? Mm-hmm. Where can we settle down? And, you know, my, my Abikasa had been away from <laughs> Estonia for 17 years and I just had a real drive. I mean, I'd always loved the visits, but I thought here's the opportunity to settle somewhere in Europe. Um, but more importantly, to really try and embrace more of the culture and the people and the language as well. Um, and I, I felt it was somewhere I'd really love to to live. So somehow we ended up being able to take our jobs, which are remote jobs, and take them here to Tallinn and um, continue to work remotely um, just in, in a different place. And we got the chance to really settle here as much as we have ever 
in our time together. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's a shortened version <laughs> of a longer story. It, it went over so many details. It's a really nice overview. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you you started traveling to Estonia quite a long time ago, and you saw how the places changed, how Rotermani changed, Kalamaya, and so on. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. living here, did you have some illusion or like ideas how the life would look like, and how did it, did your bubble burst, or how <laughs> did uh, the expectations met? So yeah, it's a great question. I think um, you know I we had been over visiting over the years, and you know when you come over to visit and you get that very quick burst of everything Tallinn, and you know I I had a vision that I would like to live in Tallinn. I mean, it's really there's a lot happening here, and it's it's there's a lot going on. <clears throat> um, but I think what's changed actually living here is you realize that Tallinn is not the heart of Estonia per se. I mean, it's, it's, um, well, (laughs) well, um, shall I say when I, when I, when I think about living here, um, there, there's paces and pockets that feel to me to be very, very Estonian, but there's places that feel very international I guess it's maybe where a lot of foreigners land mm-hmm. and and Edinburgh where I'm from in Scotland is very similar too um and now, now I've made that bold statement I'm trying to think of how <laughs> to justify it but I think no I think the difference is we 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 visited and traveled outside of Tallinn so mm-hmm. I see the country more holistically now than perhaps when we um when we first moved over um, but living here in the city, I think um, there wasn't a lot that changed from my expectations. But if we maybe talk about the um, often expectations come from stereotypes. And mm-hmm. of course, we all know the the stereotype of the Estonian nation being very reserved. Mm-hmm. And you may read in some places even a little cold. So this was a, a kind of a stereotype that I was aware of and um, that very much changed coming over. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is, this is maybe everybody's story is very different. And mm-hmm. I came over with an Estonian. So I don't know if that gave me a fast track or mm-hmm. um, in more of a quick and easy integration than perhaps if I'd come over on my own. Um, but I found it to be very welcoming, um, oh. open, open arms, a lot of warmth, um a lot of a feeling of you're one of us but maybe because I was I chose to marry one <laughs> as I say that could have been that could have been what gave me that um that feeling and also I mean I think where I come from and my my personality and perhaps the culture thinking of Edinburgh in particular there was a certain comfort for me to live in a society where people say just as much as they need to say mm-hmm. and not <laughs> anything more that it's it's okay to stand at the bus stop or the tram stop and not have a conversation if there's nothing to say there are the silences are allowed to be there they don't need to be filled um because living in america i found it quite challenging to um make small talk with people i didn't know because i myself am fairly reserved That's so interesting that you mentioned that uh, silence doesn't need to be filled. And in Estonia, it's often the same way. Are there any other similarities or differences that you've noticed that Scottish people have and with Estonians? Yeah, so I was thinking about this um, because I, I, I do feel a, a similarity. And I, I was thinking, how can I pin that down? And um, you have a lovely word in Estonian, which um, I'll try and pronounce, Vaim. Vaim, okay, ghost, mm-hmm. spirit. Like the spirit, so mm-hmm. the, 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 I feel like the spirit of the, the Estonian nation and the Scottish nation have some similarities because um, we're both small countries but proud countries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's an element, you know, if you're if you're living in Scotland and you watch our TV and, you know, we have a lot of comedy shows produced in Scotland by Scottish people and they're very self-deprecating like they make fun of our customs they make fun of our people they kind of highlight the worst parts of society and make it into a joke and it's really funny um 
because you know we are small maybe in some ways an underdog but we have a an, we are full of pride and i feel that same um, something similar in in um the Estonian people, there's such a pride for customs and language and, um, you know, I know that living abroad often um, Estonian people will find each other and and come together. So that struck me as an, a bit of a similarity. But then on the other hand, um, I would say in Edinburgh, where I'm from, it is a lot more reserved than perhaps other places in the country. So I mm. can't speak to the whole of Scotland. Um, when I moved from Edinburgh to Glasgow, which like moving from I guess Tallinn to Tartu, okay. um, it, it was it, there was a um, a massive difference in people would talk to me at the bus stop and people would fill the silence and I didn't know what to say. They're very friendly in Glasgow and I was a bit freaked out, but I got used to that. Um, but coming here and you know I feel like you know Edinburgh, Tallinn, it, there's there's so much that feels comfortable and and familiar Mm -hmm. I guess okay that's so nice to hear um one thing that I actually asked you before we started recording but one of my first questions was like wait could you explain uh how would you call that you're from are you from Scotland or from the UK because Scotland is under the UK but you still prefer to be called uh, that you're Scottish Mm -hmm. so can you explain that a bit yeah, of course. So Scotland's from the UK, I guess. If I give my nationality, I could say I'm British. Um, but I know for me personally, um, the, the the Scottish identity is one where I've grown up and which I so strongly identify with. Um, and perhaps saying that I would be British almost dilutes that <laughs> identity somehow um, because I am proud of the country that I come from and that country is is Scotland um I don't relate so much with the the country as a whole I think I was a little bit burnt after Brexit Mm. it felt like the 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 UK had made a decision which um wasn't one where I or the overwhelming vote in the country that I'm from agreed with Mm um so that that probably did have an effect on some form of identity but I've always I've always given my nationality as being Scottish Mm -hmm. and uh, I've noticed I'm sure a lot of other people have noticed is that if you travel anywhere in in the world then you often find Scottish bars Scottish Mm -hmm. pubs does that mean that wherever you go and you find a bar that is Scottish that you feel right at home (laughs) well um it's interesting you ask because very recently um, I was driving or rather being driven through Kayla mm-hmm. and there there's a bar called I, I, I'm, the Scottish House I think is the name okay um, or the Highland House it's it's a big Scottish bar and I thought oh, can we go in there let's let's see I was very curious because um, I don't know of any specifically Scottish bars here in Tallinn I think it's mostly Irish bars Mm -hmm. that we find so I was I was really curious and on one hand I did feel a little bit at home because the decor was very traditional Scottish bar I could imagine being there in Glasgow and having people coming up and talking to me and making that small talk as Mm -hmm. we do um it, it, you know, that felt familiar, but um, of course there was pictures on the walls of men in kilts everywhere, and that's, you know, not something you would typically find in in Scotland. Um, but of course, I did order some haggis, which is our national dish in Scotland, um, made of sheep's heart, lungs, other nasty bits, and some oatmeal <laughs> and some spices. Very tasty. I know mm-hmm. I'm not selling it. Um, and the, the lady serving said, OK, are you sure? Do you know what you're ordering? <laughs> yes, I do. Bring it on. So um, although that's not a dish I would have every day, it felt like Scotland extreme in that bar. But it was very nice to visit. It felt, <laughs> made me feel a little bit homesick, I must admit. Uh-huh. Did they make it the right way? Um, I think haggis doesn't travel so well. So yeah. I, I, it could have been maybe frozen and defrosted. Um, mm. So it... it 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 wasn't prime, but it was 
tasty enough. <laughs> okay, and now that you mentioned uh, food and your uh, national dish, um, how do you how do you enjoy the Estonian food? You know, the Estonian food has been a real revelation. I mean, I didn't really know much about what constitutes a national dish or a um, or an everyday diet. So mm-hmm. um, my experiences of coming over would be like Christmas time. So there would be bowls of, um, you know, the hapukapsas, how do you call it, sauerkraut yeah, yeah. with pork. And there would be, of course, the blood sausages, the verivursts, and there would be um, sult, mm-hmm. which I don't know what you translate that to in English, meat and jelly. Yeah, well, actually, meat, meat jelly, meat jelly. Meat jelly. So the, the traditional Christmas table would be there. Um, and I must admit, I did struggle with all of those dishes, except for the very worst, which is very similar to the black pudding that we have in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So they're very tasty, always been a fan. Um, but, you know, living here and and um, enjoying the, the the everyday food, it feels like it's very seasonal. Um, it's very, a lot of Estonian grown produce that you can get for um, for good prices, which is really extremely tasty. So I've got very much into root vegetables. I now eat sauerkraut every mm. single day. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> drink kefir every single day. Um, mm-hmm. We make, uh, how do you call it, tatar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, buckwheat. Yeah, mm-hmm. having buckwheat, which, and these, you know, these are simple everyday things, quite cheap in the supermarket, but not things that I ever really ate on a daily basis. And then I think if you look at Tallinn and beyond the restaurant scene, I mean, these modern twists on Estonian cuisine, there's some fantastic restaurants here. So that's been enjoyable as well to explore. Mm-hmm. You said you really enjoyed the blood sausage, but is there mm. anything that you couldn't eat and you still can't? <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever be able to handle the sult. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see there's something quite tasty about it, but it's just that little step too far, I think. <laughs> but luckily, it only seems to come out at Christmas, so yeah, well, I can hide. Uh, high five to that, because I don't really like <laughs> sult as well. So. <laughs> it's hard going. It's hard going. Yeah. <laughs> it's more traditional for... Um, yeah, when families get together and for elderly people to make it themselves or to bring yeah. it on the table, I haven't really noticed younger people to serve it on birthdays and so on. Doesn't sure. happen that it's, much. It's a lot of work goes into it, as far as I can see, like hours and hours to make a, the perfect suit. So maybe younger people are just going to bakeries and buying cartley salad and a kringle, and mm-hmm. this is a nice birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how big is the Scottish community in Estonia, actually? Well, it's a great question. Um, honestly, I don't know. Uh, it's it's not um, Scottish or British in a whole. It wasn't really a community that I deliberately looked for when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose, you know, being married to an Estonian and coming back to a place where... Um, you know, I almost had a ready set, ready set of friends, mm-hmm. and I was able to leap onto and adopt as my own as well. Um, all of whom are Estonian, and you know, maybe the time in my life when I came over here, I didn't have a great need to go out there and meet people from where I am from. Not that if it was so to happen, I would really enjoy, but not something I, I deliberately went out and looked for. So I really don't know how big that community is. I don't know how many Scottish people live here in Estonia. Mm-hmm. Not that many as far as I know, but I couldn't give you a, a number really. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, small, I would think. Mm. Um, you didn't really say it out loud, I think, but you are married to a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you can't marry, same-sex couples can't marry in Estonia. So did you marry abroad? Or? Yes, yes. Um, it was, while we still lived in Bulgaria, we came back to Scotland. We came back to Edinburgh, where I believe it's been legal since 2006. Okay. Perhaps it might be 2005. Um, in any case, this was in 2013. So we got married together 
in Scotland and we had visitors from, um, we had Estonian visitors who had flown over from China because they've been living in China, um, all of whom now live back here in Estonia by the time. Um, we had people from Finland and, um, you know, friends from all over. And of course, my friends in Scotland were there. So it was, it was a really beautiful day. Well, that's cool. Uh, but if you can't really marry, get married in Estonia, but does Estonia still recognize uh, your marriage here? I mean, it's really complicated. Mm-hmm. So yes and no. I mean, coming over here... Um, the majority of the legalities of moving to a new country are I had to kind of handle as a single person Mm. Um, at the point when we moved over the UK was still part of the EU so it's a pretty simple process for EU um, citizens although now I am third nation citizen or whatever (sighs) so it would be more complicated now for Mm -hmm. sure um So, but that part had to be done on my own. There has been some legal things over these years where it's almost like the chicken and the egg. Mm -hmm. So you you can't do this if you're not married, but you can't claim not to be married because you are married. There's, I mean, there are some some complications that do um, come in, but on the whole, it's been okay. It's been straightforward enough. Mm. Okay. Have you noticed any differences between how people feel about your marriage or or about you being the same-sex couple here um, next to living in Bulgaria or in the in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, well, here in Estonia, I mean, there's a lot that you can read, and then you get a real feeling on you know the internet where people can be very open and say what they feel and you get a real feeling on the internet which isn't quite the same as how everyday life feels Mm -hmm. um I think I mean I can compare more so to Scotland I think what I've noticed here is that um same-sex couples are they it feels pretty invisible in integration into everyday life feels Mm -hmm. very invisible Um, it feels like if somebody is presenting themselves as such it's for a political statement and Mm -hmm. it's a massive thing and it's to shock Whereas what I noticed, especially, you know, in Scotland where, you know, we're maybe this has been part of our, our, our society for a longer time and um, with the marriage and all, you know, you see on the TV in the middle of the day, the adverts are on and there's a same sex couple, but they're not, that's not the point of the advert. They just are. And they're, it's advertising them going to a bank or a same sex couple here. This is my wife and we shop at this supermarket. And it's not, it, it, it's more normalised. You'll, you'll, you'll see on popular game shows on a Saturday evening, there'll be a same-sex couple and they don't, it's it's not, they're not there to make a point. They're not there to be political. Whereas if I've ever seen anything here, it's it's maybe more of a political thing. So it, it feels, it feels a little bit more underground, a little bit more, well, invisible, I think mm-hmm. is the best word. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I've lived in uh, Belgium as well. Mm. And there, like, first day you go to a street, you see, like, all kinds of couples everywhere. Yeah. And it becomes so normal so fast. So, Absolutely. And actually, to that point, I mean, I think what Scotland's getting, what I see more there is all kinds of couples and all kinds of families. So mm-hmm. it's not just that you'll see a same-sex couple, but you'll see a single mother, you'll see a, you know, a, a, a family of two families that have come together it's just all kinds of families that you'll see rather than maybe the more traditional image Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which still exists do you feel that you mentioned that people in the internet are really uh vocal about and seem like against against it and so on but when you talk with I guess your friends and just talk with Estonians, do you feel like there is some, do you feel more like there is this uh, feeling that people just are curious to know like, hmm, how does that go and how is that working out or, or are they more to, like, do they have some agenda behind or something? <laughs> well, there's, I've had so many different experiences and I think um, when something is, when something is not integrated into everyday life, and when there's a an invisible threat, you know, mm-hmm. and stereotypes come up, and that breeds fear. So, I think a lot of the negativity is based on fear rather than hatred. Because if you've never met, 
a very boring couple like me and my wife who work we watch tv there's it's very everyday then you know perhaps there is that that kind of misinformation and fear and I, I you know I get that um I think majority of people are you know and people that we've known mm-hmm. there there's just really been like nothing different than if we were opposite sex they were just happy that we got together happy about the marriage um really not any sorts of reactions um a little bit of curiosity perhaps as any new couple may face Mm -hmm. or any newly married couple um but in a very kind way and then you know had that in three in the clock three o'clock in the morning I I mean you know choosing to drink in a a, a bar in the Vanillin back in the day when we were visiting and then having some quite offensive questions asked but in a in a way that showed more curiosity than hatred I would say but everyday life and everyday living here um I've you know I don't want to say I've been lucky but Mm. because there's nothing really to I don't think there's anything to see here but I think (laughs) I've been lucky that you know in mentioning it Mm um haven't got much of a reaction which is a my favorite kind of reaction um but if in doubt you can always hide behind the Estonian language right you've mm. got the word for wife and husband is the same the word for he or she is yeah. the same so you know yeah yeah that's true <laughs> yeah Estonian languages I believe only Finnish language has the same that in English you have he she and it and in Estonian mm-hmm. it's just one word he and she both are tema da and mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, no, I think when I started learning Estonian, I spoke about my abikaza, my abikaza, my abikaza. Um, and then at some point we had, I had to say, Tavnayne, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. My my teacher didn't blink an eye. She, oh, okay, and we and then we were able to speak and use the the nayane word mm-hmm. if we needed to. Um, but you know, up to that point, I. You, you can you can choose to be under the radar if you wish because of that little that that small but important part of the Estonian language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a n- nice opportunity to choose whether you want to open that door or not. Mm. But do you feel uh, do do you feel comfortable walking on the street holding hands? Yeah, because I th- well I think. Um, we're, you know, maybe because we're both female mm-hmm. and that may be something which females do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe yes, maybe no. Um, I wouldn't say that people are not really looking. People are going about their business. Mm-hmm. People yeah, are doing true. their thing. Um, and I'm not, you know, public displays of affection that is not something I would do anywhere really so um I don't feel like I have to hide anything I don't feel like I have to show anything I feel very comfortable in my own level of um the the level I'm comfortable with outside on everyday life feels okay Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that's good um I was also thinking like when I was um uh, preparing for this episode or thinking like should I should I make it a special thing that you're married to a <laughs> wife or not? Because in one sense, it's like, it's it's like I want it to be normal as well. But on the other hand, if we don't talk about it a lot, then how does it become part of like common thing? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny. I came to something recently, um, and I, you know, I mentioned living in these other countries as well, and. I always used to kind of make a joke, but there was a bit of truth in it that people can say what they want about me as long as it's behind my back and I don't know about it. <laughs> kind of like, I'll just live my life. And if you want to have misinformation or hatred, then that's sad. But as long as I don't know about that, then I'll just continue to live a happy, a happy life. And um, at some point recently, I thought, well, maybe that's not good enough. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not good enough. I'm almost saying it's okay to hate me. Um, as long as you don't tell me so yeah I mean I'm you know maybe I'm not that militant but I just like to be 
and I don't want to hide anything, nor do I want to claim special status. I just want to be a part of a a society where lots of different people exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that your joke was like, you can't hate me. So it's almost like expecting that people will mm-hmm. hate you. <laughs> That's very true. And, you know, maybe that expectation also comes with a little bit of prejudice, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, expecting that certain nation will hate you because they're all this way. And it's not true. I mean, of course, we all have our own beliefs and opinions and people are different. That's what makes us interesting and shouldn't assume. Yeah, it's I guess it's uh, when um, when our commercials and TV doesn't portray it too much, then it's uh, it's just something that you don't see and then you're curious about I guess like for Mm -hmm. example when I was uh, uh, traveling in Nepal and um, Cambodia then I was the whitest whitest Uh of the white walking through the city and everyone were were looking at me and I really felt the pressure of being like under everyone's eyes but then thinking analyzing it a bit like okay they probably just haven't seen anyone with this this light skin and I'm even like super light among Estonians (laughs) (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. and you know it 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 can be a sobering experience when you know you kind of you you are the other to the norm Mm -hmm. in a society and you know if coming that comes out of traveling absolutely when you you can have those experiences you know but maybe our other to the norm here is such an invisible one Mm. you know okay so uh touching upon some other topics um uk is quite known for british humor and estonians Mm -hmm. often say that british humor is similar to estonian humor but you said that you prefer being called Scottish. So how mm-hmm. is the, do you still take a part of the British humor scene or do you have some kind of other <laughs> jokes and style of uh, humor? <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, from a humor perspective, I think we can say that maybe in the UK or certainly in Scotland, we share the kind of the satirical, the sarcastic um kind of humor it's just maybe with a local twist in 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 scotland like we'll have um we'll 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 have things that are um they're funny because they're true but you they're very localized Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't necessarily get the joke if you didn't live in that area you know it's very localized but yeah i would say that yes indeed british um british humor is one that i enjoy <laughs> and I you know I haven't I haven't experienced so much of the the um Scott uh, the Estonian humor on the on the tv um <laughs> but I you know but I see and I I um I can see the similarities that you mentioned mm-hmm. so you <laughs> haven't experienced much of Estonian humor <laughs> are we are no it's funny or? <laughs> I I no I I do see it and I see um yeah with this, with with certain people and you know going outside of friendship groups and talking about the everyday life mm-hmm. um once again you know believe it or not in you know in in very everyday situations such as like the supermarket or something I've made a not a joke, but a sarcastic comment, and got mm-hmm. a, got something back. And so when you know you <laughs> see the people with that twinkle in their eyes, and um, uh, I see the same the same undercurrent of humour mm-hmm. that's <laughs> bubbling below and comes. It's um, put together in a very clever way, um, a little bit self deprecating, a little bit sarcastic, but yeah, <laughs> it's familiar. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um... And you briefly mentioned about learning Estonian language. How is uh, how is your Estonian today? Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, um, I, if we put a kind of a, a number on it, then in November of last year, I passed the B1 exam. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so lis listening, reading, understanding, I'm, I enjoy. I get a little bit nervous speaking. Um, I think I've made that terrible error of looking for perfection. <laughs> and um, I think it's only in recent times I've realized it's okay not to be. Nobody minds. Mm -hmm. Nobody minds. We can make yourself understood. So, um, you know, I, I, I have found it difficult to get to the point where I'm answering my phone if it's an Estonian number mm -hmm. or getting in a taxi or getting to the supermarket. But, it, you know, it, it, it took me it took me a lot of time to feel more comfortable with that. Um, the good thing is, you know, having Estonian friends and we it tends to all be in Estonian and that gives mm. me a chance to practice more. Hmm. So you... I'm a little bit shy to talk in front of you today, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> that one sentence was already really good. <laughs> so with friends, you're already talking Estonian. Mostly. I mean, I think mm -hmm. sometimes the conversation, um, it's, you know, when it's in a social setting, um, I will speak, but Keisha, I'll just switch back to English because it's easier in mm -hmm. a social setting. Um, of course, as tends to happen, if it's a social setting and if there's a few glasses of wine involved in, um, I might speak a little more. But, you know, <laughs> certainly at home with my wife, we speak um, mostly English, but it's become an awful mix of the two languages. <laughs> so a sentence will have 50-50 Estonian and English mm -hmm. um, in it. And I don't know if that helps or not, <laughs> because it's become a kind of a an, our own language. But I really, you know, coming here, it was really important to me to learn as much of the language as I could. And even, you know, having passed the famous B1, mm -hmm. I don't want to stop. I'm not there yet there's still so much to discover and it's such a fascinating language like a, like a jigsaw puzzle and <laughs> it can I have been I have been sitting with my textbook in tears on occasions because it's like I don't get it mm -hmm. but then you make a breakthrough and it's the best feeling that you can have so it's something to continue hmm. so cool and how are you learning Estonian do you have any tips for others as well well, um, I suppose my experience when I first came here, um, my first year I was traveling a lot with work. I didn't do much study at all. My second year I decided that I'd need to join a class or something, but I was also traveling a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked for one-on-one uh, -on -one lessons because I thought this would be more, um, much more flexible. Mm -hmm. And it means, you know, if you're with a group and you miss, you miss a lesson. So up until that point, I had all these um, textbooks and there's also great online resources to learn Estonian. And, it, you know, it got me to a certain point. Mm -hmm. You know, you can learn very much a good foundation that way. But I was really ready to be able to ask, but why? But why? You know, all the stuff, almost stuff, like a mix, mix. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, having that one-to-one -one teacher really worked for me, although I do believe if people are able to join a class, then that would also be extremely helpful, again, mm -hmm. um, depending on, on the situation. But I think the, the best way to learn is to, to, you know, watch the TV, listen, speak when you can. Mm -hmm. um, that's a tip that I would give to myself three years ago. <laughs> it's it's okay to ask for something. And if you don't get it in the right case, then you remember it for the next time. Um, and, you know, know that it's a long road, but take it a little bit at a time. And what happens is the world starts to open up. It can feel very lonely living in a place where you, you, you know, you, you look around and you see these adverts and reclam on the street and you don't know what it means and then you start to you start to understand and then you you start to understand what the street names mean <laughs> and it's like wow they, <laughs> have a yeah. <laughs> they actually have a meaning and it's really cute and it's really crazy so i think you know just know that it's it's it feels like it's maybe a different estonia that that's available to you even if you can know the language even to a certain point mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, reading commercials is definitely a good way to start. And uh, I've been uh, trying to improve my Russian because I studied ah, Russian okay. in school. And then that's also one way I, I've done it is like when I go to a bus and there's two commercials side by side, one is in mm-hmm. Estonian, one is in Russian, that I read the Estonian one, read the Russian one and then translate mm-hmm. it and then be like, oh, okay, this word means this one. Okay, good, good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And what's, what's also I love as well is when it's like a UK TV show or I'm not American TV show mm-hmm. with the Estonian subtitles mm-hmm. and um, you know I would always try and pick up a little word and then freak my <laughs> wife out by using it um, I think I was watching like some American show and I picked up a word and I thought I'm going to use this so I said to her I said to her Vabendage Vabendage mm-hmm. Salut Piripil 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 <laughs> Yeah Tauli <laughs> Nago <laughs> um, but I'd picked up that word like I think it was like crybaby yeah, or yeah crybaby like, I know it was such a cute word and so um, yeah there's there's a lot you can just consume around you but unfortunately it's not as easy as passively letting it soak in mm-hmm. same with with Russian even if there's more exposure to Russian language here um that's what I was saying. you do have to put the work in yeah that's, that's worth it that's when the aha moments come mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> exactly and they're very that makes it all worth it when aha <laughs> so sweet uh have you had any favorite aha moments or favorite words expressions that you've heard and learned oh gosh let me think let me think that's a really good question I mean in terms of words so piripil obviously is very mm-hmm. cute uh, yobu <laughs> I think it's a great word um, mm-hmm. I am an adult but I love the word kaka <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but in from a, from a language breakthrough perspective um, I seem to recall spending a long time on uh, the manda infinitives and when to use each and um, feeling like okay now I get it now I get it now I know which are the situations now I know which are the exceptions um, but I can share and this is embarrassing because I did you know I passed this exam back in November and mm-hmm. I'm talking about speaking in everyday life and um, just the other day I was in a taxo mm-hmm. and it was it was like an actual taxi, not a, a, a bolt, and it had the price list. And I was just reading the price list and it said something about Tazuta, mm-hmm. which I know the word, it means free. Like, for free, right? Yeah. And then I was like, Oh it's no it's sorry, it said Tazu. And then I thought, Okay, oh Tazuta <laughs> without price. That's how that word is that like that, because it was back then when I was kind of memorizing words without knowing how they were put together. And I had that breakthrough and I was like, okay, four and a half or five years here in Estonia. And I understand that Tazuta, why it's got the ta on the end. Mm-hmm. So there's always those little <laughs> moments in everyday life. Yeah, we sometimes surprise with those obvious translations. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you know the word for peninsula. In English, it's peninsula, like not the entire Island, separated island, but in Estonian, since it's not separated, it's called Pol Sar, half oh, island. So. Half island, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, some a lot of things about the the Estonian language are quite literal, mm-hmm. but in in quite as kind of um, poetic kind of way. And I wish I could give you an example, Pol Sar. You know quite literal I, I you know and I like I like the way talking about like uh, you know a, a saba is a tail but then we can talk about a pixaba being a long queue and mm-hmm. it's it's very yeah, yeah. you know imaginative way of speaking um it is a really beautiful language <laughs> yeah definitely a lot to discover and learn <laughs> a lot <laughs> mm. Have you experienced any Estonian traditions like sauna or Janibav? And uh, do you have any um, interesting stories about those? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
um I absolutely adore the traditions and um if we talk about sauna so not something I'd ever really done before mm-hmm. um coming here and um this Christmas I traveled up to Lapland um and enjoyed a very traditional Santa Claus Christmas um and you know I've had I've I've done kind of a very um gentle sauna mm-hmm. here in 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 Estonia and then done a cold shower afterwards um but this this was a re- really an experience of a very powerful sauna and then running out into the snow minus 20 degrees and rubbing the snow everywhere um and oh what a feeling if I could do that every day I absolutely would but I've only done sauna with small groups or friends or never a public one per se mm-hmm. um but also yeah Yanipav um m- yeah my first my first year in in Estonia I did um more of a public Yanipav here in Tallinn in the open air museum um but I've, I've still to experience like a small family Yanipav with a self-built bonfire um and so on so I'm I hope one day to be able to do that but we're coming we're in February now so I'm looking forward to Veslapav Vastlapav yeah Vastlapav mm-hmm. Vastlapav I'm just yeah um can because... you explain a bit what it means for those who don't really know yes I'll explain my understanding of it mm-hmm. maybe you can fill in my blanks yeah, but sure. um it is a day in February where we go down and we um how do you call it? We sledge mm-hmm. down uh some hills or as much hills as we can find here in Estonia. Yeah. And then you get rewarded by um eating a hot bowl of herne soup, which is like a pea soup, mm-hmm. and eating one of those vaslakok, uh which is a a cake, a bun with lots of cream. Um, maybe you could tell us a bit more about why we do this. I just went for the sledging and the soup and the cake. Mm-hmm. That was I'm not sure exactly more behind it. <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, well, the modern way of uh, uh, celebrating it is exactly how you described. And it's always, it's a moving holiday. So it's always on a different day. This uh, mm-hmm. year, it's on the 28th of February. Oh, okay. I just Googled it. Super. <laughs> Fisher. And uh, it started, hmm, it, I know that the meanings behind were different than before, but why, did, why exactly did it start? I'm not totally sure, but mm-hmm. the meanings like uh, before, um, there used to be like a sledging um, competition among the family and whoever uh-huh. wins, if it's a girl, they get the longest, um, they said the longest sheets. But they uh-huh. meant, uh, uh, I think it was, oh, all the Estonians are right now, like, how can't you know it? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, no worries. <laughs> it should be uh, longest sheet, so meaning that the crops uh, growing oh, on the okay. field, that you will get the longest crops. And um, at some point it was about you, the one who wins gets the longest hair. And um, right. There was also a game with wur, which is uh, mm-hmm. like they took a piece of bone and attached mm-hmm. it to a, a rubber um, rubber um, elastic um, band. Band exactly, yeah. and then you spin it around like you you um, you spin the bone around and hold on to the edges, and then the bone mm-hmm. spins back, and then you enjoy how fast it goes. <laughs> That's kind of one thing about it. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll need to add that to the celebration this year. Yeah. <laughs> Something with a bone and an elastic band. Yeah. Um, I think the most traditional uh, place where you can still experience that is in the in the open air museum, as you uh-huh. mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and I think, you know, there's these big traditions and these big holidays, but, you know, I think what's been really special for me over the last couple of years you know um usually I would we we both like to travel Mm -hmm. and um usually we would travel abroad and if as much as we can really and um 
you know, the last couple of years, we've been traveling only in Estonia because of various travel restrictions. Mm -hmm. And it's been a chance to really explore as much of the country as possible. So although it might not be um, like a, a particular day or a particular tradition, um, I, you know, I've enjoyed very much over the last couple of years, like doing sauna in the forest <laughs> and buying the Suitsukala from the roadside and um, going to the islands and um, going mushrooming, <laughs> mushroom picking. Um, these are all kinds of things that I've I've um, only done in the last couple of years. In the so I think the nature and being in the nature and um, learning more about the nature and the forest people. Um, I feel like you know that's given me something that's a little bit maybe closer to the heart than perhaps you get when you. Mm -hmm. you know live in a city all the time and don't leave the city very much so exploring everyday traditions in the countryside has been very very enjoyable oh that sounds nice and when you say you've uh, seen the forest people what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> well like I would say that um when I'm walking through the forest and I'm with um anybody Estonian mm -hmm. then we learn it's almost like I get the feeling that many people are almost, you know, they are, how do I say, at one with the forest in that there's, there's a, there's a greater level of knowledge. So this plant does that, this one does that, this one's good for fire, this one's good for blah, don't touch that one, don't touch mm -hmm. that one. Um, you can touch that one, or you can eat this berry. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, um, it, 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 you know, the, the forest is such a special and sacred place and it feels like you can be with people who are, you know, they've grown there or the souls of their relatives or I don't know. It just, it feels very sacred to me. But um, I've learned important lesson, never ask an Estonian the best place to pick mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that? Why shouldn't you ask? <laughs> Well, as I understand, many Estonians have got their own uh, knowledge of excellent spots to pick mushrooms. But of course, there's only so many mushrooms. So it's almost like families pass the secret on to, to their generations. But it's a family secret that you never give away because, you know, <laughs> everybody would know about it and everyone would come to your spot and everyone would take all the mushrooms. So... Um, it's it's something not to ask <laughs> if you want to be polite and respectful, mm -hmm. as I've as I've understood it. Yep, yep, something like that. Yeah, I even know that in our in my family's countryside, uh, or like uh, where our countryside houses, uh, mm -hmm. which is really typical in Estonia to have a second house somewhere in the yep. countryside. We have uh, like this certain spot in the forest or you have to drive on this road, then turn to the left and then there's a small um, marking on the trees and that's where you get the best blueberries. <laughs> Aha, okay, okay. But it, you see, it's knowing those markings, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's... Yeah, okay. if you wouldn't know, then you would totally pass it and pass by and don't wouldn't notice anything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm <laughs> Yeah, I tell you, forest people <laughs> with those secrets. <laughs> mm. uh, you said also that you visited some islands. And um, when I googled uh, about Scotland really fast, I found out I was surprised that you guys mm. have more than 790 islands over there. Is we it, do. Is it super common to live on the islands or to do some activities on them? Well, it's probably similar to some of the islands here so of course you've got smaller ones uninhabited ones and then you've got very small ones I'm thinking of um, one of the islands which actually has a, an airplane connection and the the runway is a beach oh. <laughs> which it lands on because it's so small wow. um, and then you've got much 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 bigger ones that have like kind of a, a main town like you know a Kurosara type of main town and then smaller parts all all around um so yeah many of them are inhabited but there's some tiny tiny ones and all kinds okay 
you mentioned about sauna, about traveling more in the in Estonia for mm-hmm. in the last year and so. How would you describe your life at the moment in Estonia with three words? What describes it the best? <laughs> that's a that's a great question. I'm gonna have to think about that. Let me think. Um, and if I think about the present moment, mm-hmm. which will change when we get into spring and summer, <laughs> um, I would say. Okay, so I think I have three words because, you know, at the moment I am really actually, believe it or not, enjoying um, getting out of the city as much as possible during this winter period. I know it's harsh and dark, but I think it's beautiful. Um, And, you know, getting the right jacket has changed my life. So three words, I would say uh, meds. Yeah. Yeah. and armos forest ice and and like like sweetness like kind of sweetness and um uh happiness i suppose Mm -hmm. maybe more a better word it's been yeah it's um it's been really enjoyable being able to travel in Estonia and getting to know outside of the, just outside of the city, I think that um, that's been really a good thing that's come out for me over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, so, at, yeah, at the, at the moment, if, I feel very um, happy to be able to go out and embrace the winter instead of trying to fight against it and go out to the forest and feel more content. Mm-hmm. Are there any... Um cities or uh, villages or locations on your bucket list that you still want to visit in Estonia? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think the plan this summer is to go to Setoma, Mm -hmm. which um, neither of us have been to. Uh, We tend to find places we really like and then just go back to the same places all the time. (laughs) So that will be something, I think, for, for the summertime. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Setoma is famous for its onion trail, and they have some festivals in the summertime. So definitely, yes, it. absolutely. I think was there not like a food festival mm-hmm. type on along the trail, and um, I think I missed it last year, and then or couldn't go. We were somewhere else, and so hoping this year mm-hmm. to. I think they even had something in the winter time when the lake is frozen. Then they had some kind uh-huh. of uh, food festival on the lake. <laughs> Oh, really? I think I saw it from the news um, or a glimpse of it. Wow. No, uh, frozen lakes are something which I find challenging uh, in that in Scotland, you know, the lakes will freeze over, but you're not allowed to step on them because we don't get as hard winters as here. Um, So we'll get to, you know, enough to freeze over, but it's very dangerous. So we have these adverts when you're a child telling you, don't step on the lake, don't step on the lake. So coming here and, you know, a festival on the lake or a, a road <laughs> made up of a frozen lake, mm-hmm. these, these um, ice roads, I've, I've, I, I, I must admit I've had it drummed into me, never step on a frozen lake. And then I find that very difficult, but I'll try and be brave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely something that is different here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a challenge to think of. Um, but again, it's just what you've been brought up with, I suppose. And mm-hmm. Ice road, I'll never do. I may step on a lake at the edge once or twice if I know it's safe. But um, a nice road, I think, is far too scary. Mm. <laughs> well... If you change your mind, it's probably going to be there every winter. <laughs> yes, well, I would imagine so. And I think, yeah, our our, our winters are been quite extreme the last couple of years when our summers have been very extreme the last couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, we have the opportunity to go on an ice road every year. That terrifies me. Mm. Yeah, you can always take the ferry as well. So. Much better, much better. <laughs> yeah. And now my question is, what would be your advice and tips for other foreigners who want to move to Estonia? Mm, Yeah, it's it's a great question. And it's, you know, I think 
of course, everybody has their own experience, their own reasons for coming here. Um, mine was, as I said, coming over with a, an actual Estonian. So um, a lot of what I had experienced was perhaps in a lot of ways easier than, um, you know, landing for um, landing for the first time. You know, I, I think I'd always, I would always recommend starting with the language as soon as you can. Um, the, the sooner the better, because it really, as I said earlier, um, just in it makes your everyday life so much easier, and it really can can open up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you speak Estonian, you they will often switch to English, and um, I would say don't take that personally. It doesn't mean that you speak badly. It means that they're trying to make it easier for you. It's 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 that kind of understated warmth of the nation that they. They are trying to help. It's okay to say, I, I, I'm, "Can we practice? I want to practice Estonian," um, but don't be put off by that part because that can set you back mm-hmm. <laughs> if you take it the wrong way. Um, other than the language, I mean, I think depending on where anyone moves to, and I know m- mainly people come here maybe to study or to work, and will be living in a city. And I would say that, you know, if you have the opportunities to to get out of the city and to experience the nature not just in the summertime but also in the winter time you know go to a forest and just breathe um the mm-hmm. air in there is unbelievable um and you know go to the islands um even you know go to muhu and spend some time there before you you go to sarima um and again just 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 breathe that that the air that's there it feels when you come off the pram into moho it already feels like the whole ambience and air is, is um is is very different so that would be my primary parts of um advice and yeah have a, one or two forkfuls of sauerkraut every day <laughs> that will start your your tummy out that will make you healthy and you will live forever mm, i love that recommendation <laughs> <laughs> true it's true it's very good for you (laughs) yeah and it's not uh it's quite cheap over here it's yeah it's like you know one euro for half a kilogram Mm -hmm. and even with my everyday I don't always finish it but then you can make a lovely stew with some pork and use up the leftover hapukapsas Mm -hmm. so a very versatile and cheap yeah I noticed um in the US, I noticed that it's considered as the delicacy or like yes. super expensive in a small jar. And then when I saw that, I was like, whoa, okay, I didn't know that that's such a special thing. I, absolutely. It's the same in Scotland. I found a very tiny jar in a supermarket, yeah, as you say, gourmet mm-hmm. section um, for, gosh, I don't know, like triple, quadruple what you would pay here, um, which I very much left at so and you know that's another thing it's like um things that are very popular over here mm-hmm. uh, m- might be for a reason so you know do enjoy what's local and what's fresh and what's um typical Estonian produce because um tasty delicious and you know not always so expensive yeah uh, those are nice tips. Uh, learn the language. I go to the forest and eat hapukapsas daily. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and maybe another food tip um, is that if you don't like something, just put a big spoonful of hapukor, mm. sour cream, onto it. Uh, if you don't like sour cream, then try to force yourself to like it now because it comes with many 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 things <laughs> but it's really tasty and it can really it can really lift a meal <laughs> i love that lift a meal yeah mm-hmm. though i would i thought actually previously that it's supposed to suppress a meal or like when something is too spicy <laughs> and soups and stuff then you add um, sour cream and then it will tone down the flavor <laughs> that's true no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right so yeah it can it can extinguish the fire of a spicy meal but no I think hapukor can it really goes with everything so get ready to embrace and dill 
to still on everything. <laughs> You're not the first guest who mentions that, then, and I'm still so surprised. Like, do we really have dill everywhere? I haven't really noticed. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I mean, I maybe it depends on. I, I suppose it depends where you come from. Um, I wouldn't say I. I have that dill flavor in many of the meals up until coming here and then dills on everything. <laughs> but, you know, once again, dill is um, very nice with fish, very tasty herb. So um, something else to to embrace. <laughs> Good recommendations. It's been really lovely chatting with you. Do you have anything else you would like to add before we wrap up? Yes, I would just like to say... Once again, thank you very much for letting me talk about my experiences, um, and you know it's 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 been a really it's been really lovely to feel like to have somewhere which is like a second home because um, Scotland will always be my home, but I will always feel as if Estonia has that that place, um, especially now, but and forever. So. You know, anybody again who comes here, it's, it can be there can be parts that are difficult, but it will find its way into your heart, and it has mine. So it's been really nice to come on here and talk about my experiences. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for sharing your thoughts and uh, recommendations, and uh, all the talk about who are the forest people and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for all the listeners, thank you for being with us and go to foundinestonia.ee to join the monthly newsletter. Also find Found in Estonia on Facebook and on Instagram. Share it with your friends who you think would enjoy it as well. And until next time, bye. Thank you, bye.